Welcome to the Naked Wellness Podcast. As a qualified nutritionist, I'm here to strip away the nonsense and get down to the bare essentials of nutrition and wellness. Join us as we debunk myths, chat with top-notch experts, and serve up practical tips that will leave you feeling empowered. Get ready to uncover the naked truth about living your healthiest life. Let's undress. Welcome back to the Naked Wellness Podcast. Today I have a very special guest with me. I have Meredith McKenzie. Meredith is a registered clinical counsellor who specialises in helping women to end both dieting and binge eating, as well as supporting women and actually learning to respect their bodies and learn how to intuitively eat for them specifically and individually, which obviously aligns so much with the work that I do with my clients as well. So I am so excited for our conversation today, Meredith. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And thank you for that introduction. It's like, I need you to help me write my own elevator pitch because <laughs> I don't introduce myself that well. Um, but thank you for having me. Of course. I love it. Did you want to start off with giving us a little bit of an introduction about yourself, telling us about you and your own journey that you have personally been on? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that where I am today is very much a reflection of where I've come from. Um, as you've said, I'm a registered clinical counselor in British Columbia, um, which in, is in Canada. And my practice primarily focuses on helping women overcome dieting and diet culture and how that so often ends up leading to binge eating and overeating or emotional eating. But my experience starts way, way back in my own life. And I think that's how I relate so well to my clients. Um, I was somebody who not probably unlike many of your listeners was very aware of my body when I was young. Um, All of the messages that were received about that it's better to live in a smaller body. I was nicknamed skinny mini. And I knew that that must be something special that I wanted to hold on to. It was something that I picked up on of how other people were eating and moving their bodies and definitely tried dieting when I was very young. Um, And I think for many people too, it goes hand in hand with having this like high achiever um, wanting to be something bigger um, for myself. And so when I entered university, that's where things really spiraled out of control for me, where I did not have the emotional support that I needed and putting so much of my weight on my achievement academically. You know, the one thing that I could really control was my food and my body. And so that led into, which was not diagnosed at the time, but anorexia. Now I would have diagnosed myself with that. Um, And I kept it very secretive for a long time because it was not something that I wanted anybody to know about. And I felt Mm. like a bit of an imposter. Like, how do I go into the psychological world and be struggling with a mental health issue and not wanting to get better from it. And it really took me starting my master's in counseling to become a therapist myself to realize, okay, this isn't something that's sustainable and it's Mm -hmm. not working for me. And I worked with my own eating disorder therapist at the time who I honestly don't think was a great fit for me. Um, It actually led into more restriction because she had me going on a meal plan and really affected me. And we'll talk more about that and about how restriction and deprivation can really fuel binge eating. Um, But I had to essentially go all in and just say, I was going to eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And that really put me on the path of wanting to learn more about eating disorders and helping other women. And so I became an eating disorder therapist with here in Canada, we have a lot of um, government funded public Uh, programs. And so I worked in a number of those for a couple of years before coming into my private practice. And then I think the biggest thing that's been the most recent shift for me is becoming a mother. Just I'm not saying that everybody needs to become a mother to experience with their bodies, but um, to realize that there was so much more in my life that was important and Mm -hmm. wanting to nourish myself well and be a good representation for my son. And all of the changes that happen with um, being pregnant and postpartum and all of that. But that brings me to where I am today and working with the clients that I do in private practice and in my coaching programs. Wow. What a journey. I think it's so powerful that you've personally gone through all of that and it sparked such a passion to be able to change so many other people's lives. And I love how you touched on becoming a mother was probably one of the biggest impacts for you on your personal journey, because this is something that I see with a lot of my clients as well. And I always say, especially to the younger clients that I have, if 
If you can learn to accept your body now for everything that it allows you to do and for every season that you're going to go through, it's changing the path for the rest of your life. Because as women, I think sometimes we forget that our bodies are constantly changing at every single point throughout our lives. And a lot of the time, a lot of the clients that I work with, they compare their bodies to when they were a teenager or when they were early 20s your body's Mm -hmm. probably never going to look like that again because it's forever changing and you know going through pregnancy your body's going to change having a baby your body's going to change and if you can embrace that and accept that that's what your body actually allows you to do which can we just say is pretty freaking cool and very special that it does that you know you actually then have that self-acceptance and that self-respect for yourself yeah and i think for me too it was twofold one that um, again, I say that I'm very much an academic achiever. I'm currently finishing my PhD to become a psychologist and pushing myself to an extreme level has always been something that I've done and realizing that I don't have control over how my son reacts. He, you know, we had a really rough first year and that there's so much, like, I don't want to get overly, I don't know, meaningful here, but it is meaningful of like, life is so much more than all those little things that I was trying to achieve. My son does not care if I have a PhD or not. He just cares that I sit on the floor and play trucks with him. And so having something that felt like it was so pressure filled to come down to something so simplified really helped. And then the other thing is like you mentioned, like my body has such an important function. My body created life. It grew life. It birth life it fed life um how freaking awesome that my body was designed this way to do what it did so rather than seeing you know the pooch on my tummy as being something unattractive like no that was my baby's home that was the part of me I, I struggled with infertility for two years before I conceived him as well so just the miracle of what my body was able to do um is amazing and not something that I ever forget now Mm, I love that. I think that is so incredibly powerful. And if if you are spending 95% of your life always wanting to weigh that 5% less, you're actually not living your life to the fullest or a lot your life aligned to your values. And one of the biggest questions that I always ask my clients is, you know, when you're looking back on your life, what is one thing that you will have spent too much time worrying about? But also, if somebody was to get up at your funeral and talk about you, what do you actually want them to say about you? Because guaranteed it has nothing to do with body weight, shape and size. And this is where we get to change the narrative when we get to change the messaging moving forwards. Yeah, that's a great message. hundred mm, percent. So in the work that you do, what would you say are some of the most common challenges that you see young women actually face when it does come to dieting and their relationship with food? Yeah, I really see it as happening almost as like a cyclical thing. One that the cultural ideal to be thin is so normalized that it's just expected that we're always going to be trying to be thinner, that if you're not on a diet, it's because you just came off of a diet, or if you're in a larger body, you must be trying to become thinner. Um, That it's just normal for women. And that I think so many of us probably again, this is me therapizing things, but that we don't have a good grasp on our emotions and our vulnerabilities and what it is that's really affecting us that dealing with our bodies and managing our food and our weight ends up becoming how we deal with everything. If we Mm. feel insecure, if we feel not good enough, if we feel a little like triggered to our self-worth, then, well, I can change my body. I can fit into a smaller size. I can make myself feel more attractive, more desirable. And we lose touch with the fact that that is where the magic is going to happen and the progress is going to happen. The other thing though, too, is that there is so much false information out there that is just presented as facts. There is no shortage of recommendations on how to cut calories or carbs or intermittent fast or go on keto. Like you will find it and you will find somebody with a very loud authoritative voice who is giving you that information. It's so easy to believe it. And now with the internet, internet's awesome and entertains me endlessly, but it also is a home and a platform for a lot of people to be able to share misinformation that is not based in reality. And if we look back on history, like my husband and I are actually talking about this at dinner last night, that, you know, back in the nineties, we were so afraid of fat. Whereas now it's like, sure, embrace fat, that these trends are changing all the time. And if we only looked at things where we are currently, we would 
think that this is the way things should be, but probably in 10 years, we're going to look back and say, oh, remember when everybody was doing keto or everybody was intermittent fasting? That wasn't very good for us. Or who knows what they'll say about Ozempic in 10 years. Um, that we need to really be seeing what is factual and how our bodies really need to be working. Um, so I think that we just kind of keep falling into these holes because there is so much information about how to change your body, but it's not actually about how our bodies look. It's about how we're feeling on the inside. And that's not really a sexy, fun thing mm-hmm. to go into for a lot of people. Yeah, hundred percent. It's not sexy. Going back to the basics and the root of it is it's not, and I think as humans, we always look for the new shiny object or the quick fix or the thing that's going to finally get us to achieve those goals that we've always wanted to achieve. And in reality, going back to the basics and actually diving deep into how your individual body works, how your individual life looks, what's going to work for you, because guaranteed it's probably not the keto diet or intermittent fasting or this thing that is making you know millions of dollars and for me i and i bring this up a lot because i for me it was so incredibly eye-opening when i first became a nutritionist i worked for weight watchers for four years and so i got to see the ins and the outs of how these large corporations actually work and what they do to make more money because at the end of the day they are big businesses and that's their end goal is to make as much money as they can and i always say if you have to become a lifetime member or you have to be on something forever that's not that's not something that's sustainable and that's not something that actually works mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a reason that they have to make those promises to you 100 absolutely yeah. they want you to keep coming back at the end of the day that that's their goal so they can keep making mm-hmm. more money this is why the statistics show us that 95% of these diets fail. And, you know, there is already uh, information starting to come out about the intermittent fasting and women specifically, hormonal health, all of this sort of stuff, because the information that has been pushed out is at the moment about why intermittent fasting is so amazing. The studies are all done on males and they work on a 24 hour clock. Us females, we have a 28 day give or take cycle that we got to work with. You know, we, our bodies are so different as well. And this is why it's, it's almost dangerous to go on something that is generic. And that is a, we're giving this out to hundreds of thousands of people because you, it might not work for you. It might do more harm than any good. Mm-hmm. I think you pointed out just like two really important things to like take away there too, is that who is making money off of this and like always questioning that, like who's getting rich off this. And then the other is why would you ever want something that was a cookie cutter solution? Like, why wouldn't you want something that was designed just for you and your body and who you are? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And so how can dieting actually impact a person's mental and emotional well-being Mm -hmm. Um, well first and foremost i think it's a huge missed opportunity to embrace vulnerability and learn about our emotions and learn about our own internal world and what's going on for us because anytime we feel something that feels too big or overwhelming we run away from it and we go to this external solution. And again, there's so many of those solutions out there of what it is that will help you. Um, and again, not sexy, not fun, but at the same time, there's so much growth that can happen there. And to recognize that our sense of self-worth is not tied to our bodies, but that ends up being what it is that I, I work with so many women who, even if they live in larger bodies, they think if I just lost X amount of weight, then I would feel better about myself. And, you know, somebody else in the smaller body, but that's the dream body they want is thinking the same thing that it becomes a moving target and that who you are and all of your other accomplishments and interesting traits about yourself, that those are less than because your body looks different. Um, The other thing too, is I think it really sets people up for just massive self-blame that you're never going to escape because we can't control our genetics the same way your hair color is your color. Mine is box dyed. Mine is not naturally red. Um, but I can't change the fact that my hair color is that what it is. I can't change the color of my skin. I can't change the size of my shoes. Um, but why do I think that I should be able to be a size, whatever the ideal size is? We are all as human beings come in a full range of shapes and sizes. And that's the way our bodies are just meant to be. But when we try to control genetics, 
we're just fighting it. I don't even like, I'm sure everybody listening can even think of times where they felt like they've deprived themselves to the point of just feeling so sick of that and how painful and just overwhelming it is to do that on a diet. Um, but then we blame ourselves when it doesn't work that I didn't try hard enough. I wasn't doing it right. I just need to keep going. Why, why do you need to keep blaming yourself for all of the things that your body was just naturally meant to be? And so I think that it just becomes this vicious cycle of blaming yourself and looking for something outside of yourself. Yeah. Right. It's, it's so hard because we go into these self-critical states of mind when at the end of the day, the bodies are literally programmed and wired to keep us alive and keep us functioning. And so when you stop giving it something that it actually needs in order to survive, in order to function, okay, enough food or enough fuel, it will do anything and everything to try and make up and get that food or that fuel, which means that it will make you think about it 24 seven. You might even start dreaming about food or you eat one meal and you're already thinking about the next meal or whilst you're having the snack or looking for the snack, you're thinking about what you're eating later in the day. Your body will forever choose binging and overeating over starvation. You will, you know, like the lengths that the body goes to to try and actually meet the standards that it needs is a lot because it's wired to keep you alive, keep you functioning and allow you to show up every single day. And yeah, there is a point I feel when you've been going in and out of diets for so long that you you just feel emotionally, physically and mentally exhausted. Like I'm done. There has to be a better way of living. And there is. And I know that you work a lot with the intuitive eating as well. And so how would you say that intuitive eating kind of ties into all of this and that body positivity and that self-love and actually being an intuitive eater. Yeah. Um, Well, first off, I kind of want to point out to you that I think intuitive eating supports more of a body neutral approach rather than body positivity. I think that's something that so many of the clients I work with really struggle with of, okay, you want me to just embrace the body I'm in and love it. And that feels like such a foreign experience for them that they're like, I'm never going to love this body. It's not going to happen. And it feels so far off. And so instead just being neutral to your body and being respectful of your body, the same way, even if I um, don't particularly like someone's behavior, I can still appreciate them as a human being and say, you are worthy of respect. You are worthy of love. You are worthy of nurturing and nourishment. Um, And so to give that same respect to your body, um, I also think that it really helps with becoming more realistic with your body of saying, okay, I recognize that this is where I'd like my body to be, but this is where it is. And these are all the things that it does for me in the day. The fact that my son woke up three times last night and my body was able to get up and be with him and provide him comfort and love and then still function in my day. The fact that I worked night shifts for three years on weekends while going to school full time and running a practice, like don't recommend it, but my body did those things and it helped me persevere and to do everything. Um, you know, any kind of movement that your body does, anything that it digests, any illnesses that it has, we've just gone through a massive pandemic. I think we have to appreciate that our bodies have helped get us through that. Um, but it also really promotes a more intimate relationship with ourselves. Cause again, we, we run from so many of these emotions that we're experiencing and instead we can say, okay, well, what's really going on for my body right now? My diet might tell me I should be eating this particular plan, but I can say, Hmm, like I noticing I'm, my tummy's really gurgling and it normally doesn't at this time. I wonder what's up with that. Maybe I didn't eat enough protein. Maybe I want to eat something a little bit more. Um, currently I'm pregnant as well. And just noticing the ebbs and flows of my body and just being curious about that and saying, Oh, my body's telling me it needs more food. I'm going to have more food right now. Um, to just be able to be more connected with who you are and your body, um, rather than shunning it, shaming it, saying, I don't want anything to do with you at this size. Instead saying, I'm going to fully embrace you and I'm going to, you know, cherish you and treat you well and nourish you because I do respect you. I think that's so beautiful. And one thing that you said, which I want to highlight is that curious approach of rather than coming in from a, oh, why am I extra hungry today? Or why do I feel like I need an extra snack? Why am I craving X? It's okay, this is interesting. Why, you know, why am I extra hungry today? Maybe I do need to respect that and honor that and have that extra snack today. That's amazing. 
one thing that diet culture i think draws into a lot of people is that you should eat the same every single day you got to stick to something really rigid you got to track your calories or whatever it is and so then mm. we think that or earn it day, like if, if i am hungry i need to move more yeah exactly and so every day has to be this perfect way of looking and it has to fit those rules and as soon as you shift out of that and recognize that there is no black or white way of, of eating, there is no perfect way of eating, it allows you to actually work with your body and understand the fact that you're not a robot, you're not programmed to eat the same every single day. Some days, yeah, you are gonna be extra hungry. Some days you're not, and that's actually okay. And I, so I love that you said coming in from that curious approach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes too, we try to look for what that reason is like you've described mm -hmm. and we don't necessarily know, like, like you said, there could be something happening in our menstrual cycle. It could be just what our body is doing and fighting off something. My son, again, I'm going to make so many references to him, but I, I do think children are a really great way of recognizing how naturally intuitive eating occurs in people who have not been affected by diet culture, but he'll be going through a growth spurt, not sleeping well, something's happening. And suddenly he's you know, eating a massive dinner where he normally wouldn't. And it's just how his body is changing and functioning and what he needs in that moment. And so just being able to accept what it is. And then, like you said, be curious and um, comfort or comfortable with being able to say yes to that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know for a lot of women, one of the things that pops up is when they start to try and challenge some of these rules that they have in place and move towards less restrictive eating and more intuitive eating they can definitely feel overwhelmed or guilty for some of the foods that they're adding back in maybe if they do overeat on some of it a little bit shameful for a period of time what is your advice on actually navigating through these feelings that do pop up yeah i think first and foremost if you're feeling those feelings um first off recognize that you have been conditioned to feel that way that <clears throat> you're going to feel that because you are going against the grain and going against the plan, that robotic dogmatic way that you think you should be. And it's going to cause you to feel those more intense feelings and to feel guilty. Um, they are not due to you in any way, but it's a really normal reaction to just doing something different. So almost if you could think of it in a way of like, if I feel this, this is actually a good sign because this shows me that I'm doing something that is different and I'm not following the rules the way I think I need to. Um, the other thing is to really start with awareness and recognizing that if you're making a certain decision and you recognize that you have this response to your body's cue, like to ask yourself, am I responding to my body's cues in this moment? Or is this a rule that I've learned at some place and I'm following a rule that's external to my body? What is it that is making me react in this way? Am I telling myself, no, I can't have that cookie because I didn't deserve it? Like, where did that come from? What, what was that about? Just to have awareness, curiosity, not even necessarily that you're changing anything, but to just question it more. Or to say, is this something that my body's telling me and I'm honoring it? Because I think the more we can get into an internal reflection and listening to what our bodies need versus following those external rules, it's going to make progress, even mm. if it's gradual progress. Mm -hmm. um, and I think as well, to know that those rules, like you had said before, those rules or those plans come from somebody who is profiting off of yeah. you. And the more you can be restrictive, I, I have so many like uh, stories that I could tell about clients that I'm even currently working with who by medical physicians are being put on extremely low calorie diets and to just cringe and say, well, I'm concerned because I think that's going to set you up for binging. I think that you could probably maintain that for a short period of time and you most likely will have significant weight loss because you are depriving your body of food. Um, but I don't think it's going to be something you're going to be able to maintain and to just recognize that there has been this pattern of what's happened that when you do restrict, you end up overeating and that, like you said, that is just the way your body is naturally designed to respond to these, what it perceives as famine, what it perceives as trauma and make sure that you get back to the state of homeostasis. Um, the other thing that I think is super difficult for people to realize and even contend with is that the way our bodies work as well is that when you gain weight back, 
most people will gain more than what they originally lost. And so even just recognizing for yourself, the more I fall into this cycle and the more this pattern persists, the more likely I am to gain weight in the long run. Not to say that, you know, there's anything wrong with gaining weight, but you're probably going to feel even worse about yourself after the fact. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. And you're so right that we're set up to feel this way and to feel the guilt. Because even if you go walk down the supermarket aisles, there's products that say guilt-free ice cream, guilt-free. Oh, it's all over. Yeah. And so then, of course, mm-hmm. you think, well, if I have the real version of it, that's like I should feel guilty for eating it. And it's just so false. And it's the marketing that's playing into this. And like you said, always think about who is making the money from this, which I think is so incredibly powerful. And actually recognizing that and I think it's important to break down what healthy looks like to you individually. Because for me, healthy looks like allowing all food groups, having no restrictions, no rules, having complete control over food, functioning menstrual cycle, great energy, amazing sleep, good digestion, you know, all of these things that when when I was going through my own personal journey and I was really restrictive, I didn't have a menstrual cycle. I wasn't sleeping properly. I had terrible gut health and bloating all the time. I felt so out of control around food. And whilst maybe I fit the body that society creates as like the box to fit, I wasn't healthy in any other way. So this is why it's so important to redefine what your version of health and healthy looks like for you individually because a lot of the time we might not actually be living aligned to that value because we might be restricting way too heavily and as soon as you add rules and restrictions and you can't have x you want it even more just like you tell a child to Mm -hmm. not go and press that big red button they're going to do everything in their power to push that boundary to try and push that button Absolutely. Yeah. The other piece too, that I think like the initial guilt is very common and maybe expected because you know, okay, I'm breaking these rules. I'm going to feel this guilt, but something else that my clients who I've worked with actually for quite some time have started saying to me is that even though they find peace now with intuitive eating and eating what they like and listening to their bodies and all of that, that they really struggle in their relationships with other people because they are going so against the grain that they have a really hard time explaining why they're not dieting, why they are accepting their body as it is, because it just doesn't feel normal. And to be able to say to people, oh, I'm on this, you know, self discovery journey and I'm learning more about me and I'm working on my mental health and my relationship with my, my body. And then they almost feel like they get this like crickets response of, okay, but are you going to diet again? Like what they, it just doesn't, it's not comprehended by the majority of people because dieting is so normalized. Um, So there's almost this second layer of guilt that happens where they're like second guessing themselves or feeling like they're disappointing other people or just standing out and where they don't want to be. Um, So I think that there's also layers to all of those emotions that you're going to feel. Yeah, so interesting that you bring that up, actually, because I was chatting with a client the other day, we were talking about navigating your way through diet talk in the office scene. And she was saying how, you know, people will come up to her and it's it's just a regular and common conversation that people are having about, oh, I'm now trying intermittent fasting, or I started this new thing. And it's amazing. I've lost X amount, X amount of time. And she was saying that, she finds it a little bit triggering to be sitting there while she's on this journey that goes against all of the diets that she's ever done and and she can't um, contribute or give in and we're talking about how whatever you entertain you attract right if you entertain these conversations around diet culture you're going to attract more of those into your life and of course yeah it's going to feel hard to sit there in conversations where you're doing something that's completely different. And this is where you almost have to go tunnel vision. And so whether it's that you actually voice what you're doing and being like, oh, well, I'm, you know, trying this really cool thing out that's intuitive eating and I, you know, I'm getting my body to a weight where it it stabilizes and I'm no longer yo-yoing with my weight up and down and I have complete control of food and I eat absolutely everything. You would just absolutely move the conversation on and away from it and you don't even engage in it in any way, shape or form, or you remove yourself from the situations as well. And I think it's just, it's so important that you go so tunnel vision, blinkers on. This is you, all about you, your journey, your life, the goals that you actually individually have. And when you think about the long-term effects of this, you're going to get to that point where you can intuitively, you can work with your body. You know how to listen to all of the signs and the signals that it gives you. Your weight is no longer going up and down anymore. You have that body acceptance and you're there, you're happy, you're in control. Everyone else who is still on those diets guaranteed that 
you know, long term down the track, they're still trying to find that next one and that new one that's now going to give them those magic results. So yeah, right. it's going to just be another conversation in the lunchroom yeah, three months exactly. later. Yeah, 100%. And so as hard as it might be, tunnel vision yourself and focus on where you're going with tuning into your, your own body. Mm -hmm. I also can't even imagine, like, I think even that is another step towards that vulnerability that I was talking about, what the response of other women might be, even if they don't understand it quite at first, but like just the like breath of relief of hearing another woman say, I don't want to hate my body anymore. I don't want to be fighting against it. And just to kind of pique the interest of, oh, wow, that would be, that would be nice. And how much you might open up the possibility of somebody else feeling the same way or becoming a safe place for them. Not that that's anybody's responsibility. Um, But the other thing I try to remind my clients of too, because I was definitely there myself, when it almost feels compulsive that you need to have those conversations about your diet, that when someone is coming in and bragging about intermittent fasting or bragging about whatever regime they're on, that that's probably a sign of how much they're struggling, that the need to talk about it constantly also demonstrates how much it's on their mind and that they're constantly thinking about it. Um, And so that's probably them really struggling. Yeah, absolutely. And so I know that there's a bit of a misconception about intuitive eating and that once you start intuitive eating, a lot of people think that it means eating only donuts and all the cookies and all the chocolate. As soon as you let go of all of these rules, you're going to eat everything and anything in sight. And I think this is a big one going into the end of the year with all of the different social events that we have and different food options that are on hand and just the exposure that we have to exciting and new food that intuitive eating doesn't ignore the nutrition aspect. It doesn't ignore health in any way, shape or form. And I would love for us to actually break this down and to yeah, highlight how intuitive eating actually allows you to still focus on your health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I that's a huge misconception. And I can see where some of them come from. If we were to just um, simply look at the research that is out there on people who live in larger bodies, which the medical system will call obesity. Sure, there are correlations between higher weight and um you know, medical complications. They've actually shown though that people that are underweight are at a higher risk than anyone who's in a larger body. Um, So that can even be debunked right there. But just because something is correlated doesn't mean that it's necessarily causing the situation. And intuitive eating really follows something that's called health at every size approach, where we're focusing more on behavior than the state of a person. Being fat or living in a larger body is not a behavior. What you're choosing to eat, how you're moving your body, how you're taking care of your mental health, how you're managing your stress, all of those things, those contribute to your mental health, to your, sorry, your overall health far more than your physical weight. And so first off, just understanding that the science is, you can, you can skew science to look however you want and to have a more realistic perspective on what it is. Um, This is something that I really work with my clients on advocating with their medical professionals on because there can be so much stigma and pressure within the medical system to just lose weight and that that's going to be the automatic solution. Um, But that's not necessarily true even to begin with. So I just want to say, let's not shame anybody who's in a larger body. The second is sure in the beginning, the initial focus of intuitive eating is not on being rigid with our nutrition. We've all been there. We've all done that. And we know that the more rigid we are with what we're eating, the more likely it's to lead to this feeling of deprivation. And then, like you said, that's what you want. You're told you shouldn't have it. So you're going to want it. And really it's a repair process. It's repairing all of that information that you've been given over time that has just been not good for you and it's been harmful and it's been hurtful and to repair your relationship with certain foods and to really minimize that sense of guilt and shame that you have when you eat them. So in the beginning, a lot of people do end up overeating the foods that they've originally said, I'm not going to eat, that they've held off limits. And that's a normal human being animal response, really. The same thing would happen when they've done research on rats that you're going to go for the things that you told yourself you couldn't have before. So that can be really scary. That's a big piece that I really try to forewarn people on when they are starting in their intuitive eating journey so that they don't feel scared off by that, that that's a really normal thing that's going to happen. It's 
It's not any sign that you're failing or that you're doing anything wrong. You're actually doing the right things because what ends up happening is there's only so much chocolate that you can eat. And once you've told your body that you can have it whenever you want it, the temptation for it decreases. So I refer to this frequently with my clients. I have four tubs of ice cream in my freezer, um, all different kinds because I like variety and I haven't eaten ice cream in over a week. And so I don't keep anything off limits in my home. It's always available. Um, something that I love and I know that I'm going to feel like I want it at any time. But when you give yourself that permission, that need for it definitely decreases, but it does take time to get to there. And then absolutely there is a focus on health and intuitive eating nutrition for one and movement are two separate principles in the nine prints or sorry, 10 principles of intuitive eating. So Yes, they are absolutely talked about, but I think the bigger piece too is that you get so much more of an internalized focus on yourself. So I can say, um, when I eat, super simple example, when I eat those like sugary candies, I really enjoy them, but they hurt my tongue if I eat too many of them. My tongue starts to feel irritated and I don't like that feeling. Or when I eat this, I feel like my stomach just doesn't, it doesn't sit well. So I'm going to eat this amount of it. And so that I'm listening to my body and I'm not feeling uncomfortable Um, and being able to be more in tune with your body and how certain foods affect you. And that's not to say that certain things are ever going to be off limits, but you're going to be able to make decisions for your body and what feels right for you. Yeah, 100%. And you have to remember that you're literally get re-trusting and learning to trust your body again to never put it back into that restrictive state that you have been in. And what you were describing about at first things might seem a little bit more desirable is I always use the analogy of if you imagine that there was a cow in a huge paddock and the, the paddock was green, lush, delicious grass, but then this cow was kept right in the middle of it, fenced off in a square where the grass was dead, the grass was dry it was you know going to the bathroom where it was trying to eat nasty the gates open and now the cow can literally go out into this amazing huge field of green grass of course to start with it's going to go to town on the grass it's like wow i've been restricted from this i've been looking at it for months and i've been cooped up in that tunnel square i'm going to eat as much as i can just in case i get locked up again and so we are the exact same to start with yes things are more exciting more desirable you know you might you might eat a little bit more to start with but exactly like you said over time that desire starts to wear off, that forbidden fruit effect goes away and you naturally end up gravitating towards eating in a way that feels really good for you individually. Again, it's going to look different for absolutely everyone because our bodies are different, our lives are different. And so it's so important that we really lean into that and allow ourselves to go through that journey of actually reintroducing all foods and working out what is going to work best for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people look at how they relate to food from their binge eating perspective and think that that is what it's going to be like, because when we say no, like you said, they're going to want all that grass, but it's like the grass that's like super chock full of all the sugar and all of the fat and all those things that just have that real big zing factor for us, um, because they give us such a big reward when we do eat them, um, but once you've had that opportunity, you might realize that that's too much for you in, in terms of like satisfaction, that those things don't taste as good as you think that they do. Or by now giving yourself permission, you want some of it, but you don't want as much of it. And so I think there's that misconception too, that because you are currently overdoing it or going far beyond what you actually want, that you'll continue to do that. And that's not actually what will happen, that you'll start to develop a true sense of how much you really like that specific thing. Um, My personal example is I loved, and I don't know what you call them where you're from, but in Canada, we call them cheesies, but they're like cheese puffs. They're, you know, like a, a puffy, crispy cheese thing. I was a connoisseur. I loved all of them. And now I honestly, I don't even remember the last time I had one um, because yeah, they were okay, but they like, I like other things more now and I like variety and I don't have to pine away for them and fantasize about them and think about how I'm going to get them on my way home from work the same way. 
Yeah, honestly, a client was saying exactly this the other day. She used to love the apple cinnamon scrolls and it used to be something that she never let herself have. And she had one the other day and she said she ate it and she was like, that was so underwhelming and so disappointing. But it, it used to taste so good to her because it used to be something that was so heavily restricted. Same with you and, and the cheese puffs. And it, this is just, it just goes to show that when you expose yourself to it enough and it's not that forbidden fruit anymore, it, you know, yeah, you'll have it when you want it, but it doesn't have that same sort of impact anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and because of that, you do start to like things that might have more nutritional value to them. Mm. Um, because you like the way, like there, there's so much to satisfaction as well. And I think when we binge, we focus on just that like flavor, that intensity of the flavor yeah. um, that we get from something versus all of the other things like the crunch and the scent and the you know the sour and like all of the other things that come from certain foods um that we can start to truly appreciate and enjoy food yeah 100 percent. and it can be a bit of an emotional time ending the dieting because for a lot of people it is a comfort zone as well it's what they've done for yeah. years upon years and so navigating through those emotions can feel quite challenging what would you say are your top tips or self-care practices or things that women can start to implement who are wanting to end dieting but navigate their way through those challenging emotions yeah and so i'm going to bring us to um, concepts that are particularly I think what has really helped a lot of the clients that I've worked with is recognizing those voices that speak to you that so many of us have a very loud authoritative what we call food police voice that is monitoring and belittling you for every food choice that you're making and that that is really informed by what we call the nutrition informant which comes from all the things we hear in public health and the news and influencers and all of that. Um, but the two work together to really put you on this rigid path of eating. And on the flip side, we have something called the diet rebel where it says, you know what, I've done this for too long. I'm overwhelmed. I need a break. F it. I'm just going to eat whatever I want. And you swing the pendulum to the other side and you end up going all in with what you're eating. And just recognize the relationship between those voices and how that impacts you. And if you could even, there's there's four voices that are ally voices, um, but even just being able to be more, become more nurturing to yourself and recognize that if there is an emotional component, which for so many of us there is, that those emotions need to be noticed, they need to be honored, they need to be validated, and that we need to cope in a different way. And that sometimes means getting out of the environment that you're in, because there are so many habitual triggers, but going for a walk, listening to a podcast, calling a friend, again, not sexy, these strategies are not things that feel like you're gonna get a lot of bang for your buck in the moment, but they do help to just take down the pressure a few notches so that you're not feeling that urge to binge the way you previously were and start recognizing more and cultivating this food anthropologist voice that is curious and observing and saying, wow, I actually didn't eat a lot this morning and I'm really hungry right now. And I'm noticing I'm craving these like higher calorie foods or really happy foods, probably a sign I needed to eat some breakfast and to listen to that voice more in a gentle way so that you're not feeling like you need to just throw in the towel and go off the rails all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so self-care, like when you say self-care practices, like I think trying to be consistent with that and making a routine of it, um, not that you need to do some, you know, seriously. I'm off um, to relax for yourself and to manage some of those emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100% and self-care it doesn't have to be like you said anything crazy or anything big it could even just be taking an extra long shower spending time to actually put your moisturizer on or do your skincare routine those tiny little things actually add up or like you said you know calling somebody going outside just all those little things to help you navigate your way through it and at the end of the day this journey you don't have to go through it alone and it is kind of it's a pretty tough journey to try and navigate on your own when you do have so many different internal voices and things that are going on and thoughts so having having someone there to help you support and guide you through it can be so incredibly beneficial as well now i do have some quick fire questions for you meredith are you ready for these okay 
mm-hmm. the first one is what is one thing that you must do every morning to set your day up? I need to eat. Um, it is something that I, from diet culture, didn't eat in the mornings, then just being a super busy, you know, focused person wasn't eating. And I noticed that that really sets me up to have a better day. I'm focused. I'm able to do the things that really matter rather than thinking about food, food, food by lunchtime if I haven't eaten. Um, So it's not exciting, but definitely just trying to find any way to get some amount of food in rather quickly um, really, really helps me, especially as life gets busier. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. What is one thing everyone can do every day to improve their life? I think giving yourself any form of vacation, because I hear so many women say, but the food is my comfort. It's my time to zen out and be on my own and to just have a break. That's your body telling you that you need a break. And so you mentioned the extra long shower, like, oh my goodness, if I can have a hot shower after my son goes to bed, that is like the best time of my day. Anything you need to do to give yourself a little break. Um, You know, for me, it's if I have to work on something, if I'm working on my dissertation for school, I'm doing it at Starbucks where they've got nice, the nice environment and the music playing and I can have an expensive coffee and it just feels nicer. So like, it's like taking it up a notch to just make the, the not so great things feel a little bit nicer. Yeah. I love that. What is your favorite quote and why? Okay. I need to get a photo of it to read it. Okay. So this is a quote by Viktor Frankl. He is known mostly as a trauma therapist, but it's always something that stood out to me. It's between a stimulus and a response. There is a space in that space is our power to choose our response in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And I think that what really speaks to me from that quote is that so many of us react so quickly to things and we feel out of control in those moments When in reality, if we can start slowing it down a little bit for ourselves, we can see that there's something that triggers us or some kind of stimulus that comes in and we choose how we respond and not that we're going to respond perfectly every time, but that's such an opportunity for growth and to choose a different path in that moment. Mm, Wow. I think that's so true. And it's sometimes just about zooming out, right? And looking, looking at that from that different perspective is so powerful. Now, one question that I do also love to ask all my podcast guests is in the distant future, when you are looking back on your life, what do you think will be your biggest achievement or one thing that you will actually be most proud of? This could be something that you've actually already done, or it could also be something that you're hoping to do in the future. Yeah, this is a great question. It's something that I've been thinking about quite a lot lately. Like I've mentioned a few times, I've always been this super high achieving person, Felt like in order to demonstrate my worth, I needed to have a PhD and be a psychologist. And it was actually like the middle of the PhD when it's taking so long. And I've put in so much work, but I've had a child and I'm starting my family and realizing like the PhD is nice, but it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing that I really think that I'll be looking back at in the distant future is how full life can be without needing to check boxes, if that makes sense. Or I call them gold stars. Like there's some of us that just search through life for gold stars and getting validation. And that there are so many things in my life that I've achieved. And I can really kind of just find the meaning in that without having somebody else to have to validate that for me. Mm, yes I think that's so true I think that's such an important reminder for so many people because through life we are always trying to work for that next thing or achieve that next goal and sometimes we actually even forget to stop and celebrate ourselves for how far we've come and this could even go for somebody on their journey to becoming an intuitive eater there are going to be road bumps there are going to be blips along the way and but if you can stop and actually recognize all of the wins that you have still had what you're going through in that present moment rather than always focusing on the fact that you're not at that next goal yet you haven't achieved x y and z it allows you to be a lot more present in life because at the end of the day there's no destination right the our life is the journey and exactly. we get to start to embrace that journey and live it to our fullest that's absolutely amazing so i love that yeah, you said it way better than I did. I, I really like that of like that we're on a journey, we're on a path, there is no destination. It's all about the the progress and the story that you you live out as you're on it. 
Yeah, 100%. Did you want to tell the audience if you have anything exciting coming up for them and where can the listeners go to find you? Yeah. So I will say I have a baby on the way. That's very exciting for me. And I have a, hopefully a PhD that's going to be finished by the end of the year. Um, So where can you find me? You can definitely find me on YouTube. Um, My name is Meredith McKenzie. I go under my practice name, Parallel Wellness. And I also have an Instagram under Parallel Wellness as well. I'll be honest, not super active right now because of those two other things, growing a baby, raising a baby and uh, I guess raising a a dissertation. Um, But other than that, coming up in life, I have run two, um, I guess, live iterations of my one body to love program. It is a very comprehensive, emotionally based, but also intuitive eating skills based uh, program for women who struggle with overeating, emotional eating and binge eating. Um, It has been so amazing. And we've created an amazing community of women who are just so supportive of each other. And the conversations that we have in our coaching calls are just, um, they give me life. And I, I know that from what the other women in the program have said have been amazing for them too. So I am going to be opening the doors to that program actually. So if anybody wants to go to Meredith McKenzie, M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E.ca forward slash intuitive dash eating dash program, um, you can book a call with me and I am going to be speaking with people if anyone's interested in joining us. Amazing. And I'll put the links to all of that in the show notes so that everybody has easy access to go over and connect with you, reach out, because that just sounds so such a powerful space and something that is so inviting to be a part of. Because again, like we've said, you don't have to be on this journey alone, right? And when you're in that community of like-minded women all striving to get to that end point together, it's so powerful. So powerful. And I think like, I hope that I bring value to the program, obviously with my training and my personal experience, but I think having a community of people that just know that you can come in and share whatever it is you're feeling and they know that is so valuable. Yeah. I love it. That's absolutely amazing. Well, thank you so much Meredith for coming on and sharing everything that you have with us today. I think it's such a powerful conversation that we've had and the more that we can speak about it, the more that we can spread that awareness around the fact that you don't have to be stuck in the restrictive eating, yo-yo dieting, whatever it is that you feel like you are, there is a way out of it. And there is a point that you can get to where you do have that complete control back over food. What an incredible episode today with Meredith. I would absolutely love to know what your key takeaway was from our conversation today. This is one of my absolute favorite conversations. I love chatting all things, taking back complete control over food, overcoming binge eating, but also healing your relationship with yourself and with your body. So head over to my Instagram, which is KJ Wellness with three S's and send me through an Instagram message because as always, I love connecting with you all. I hope that you enjoy the rest of the day or the night whenever you're listening to this episode and I will chat with you in the next one very soon. Bye.